In the Gospel of Luke chapter 17, we're going to start in verses 11 and we'll read down through 19. And the title of today's lesson will be Grateful Hearts. And we're going to learn a lesson today, and uh, I, I hope that we, we already know this lesson, but we'll be reminded of this lesson about how important it is for us to have grateful hearts toward the Lord our God. Amen. So let's pray this morning before we read His Word and just ask His blessing upon it and our ability to, to express it and to receive it. Father, we come to You today, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, we give You thanks for Your goodness and mercy to us. We thank You, Lord, for all things. Father, we pray today as we look into this Word here in the Gospel of Luke, about grateful hearts. We see, we're going to see an example of one who had a grateful heart and several who didn't. So Lord, we just pray that this word today, that we'll see it with our eyes as we read it together. That our ears would hear what your word says to us. And above all, that after we've seen and heard, that our hearts will understand this word in which you've shared with us today. That we may go forth in it and be able to also share it with others. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So grateful hearts. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, we'll read there. Let's really just read the, the passages and talk about them as we go through them. And then I've just got a few things that the Lord wants me to share with you concerning it. So in verse 11 of Luke 17, Now it happened as he, talking of Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, back in his hometown, back in the home area, okay? Then as he entered a certain village... There met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, to give you a little bit of a backstory on this, in accordance with the law of Moses, lepers had to quarantine away from the rest of society. And in some cases, if it was bad enough, they couldn't even go to their own house. Now, you remember we got upset when we had to quarantine in our own houses, right, and stuff like that, and we didn't like that, and for due reason, we, well, that, was a, that was fine that we didn't like it. But if you had leprosy in these days, they didn't have all these treatments for things, so they had to quarantine away from the rest of society, sometimes even away from their family, so that that stuff didn't spread. That's the reason these guys were standing afar off. You can imagine as Jesus says he comes into this village, then all of a sudden there's these ten guys standing way off away from everybody. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You find that story if you ever wanted to read up on it. It's a lot there. It's actually Leviticus 13 and 14 and part of 15 also is where that comes from. That's the reason they were standing off at a distance. Here Jesus crosses past with ten men who were stricken with leprosy and were standing afar off the beaten path in order to be quarantined from everybody else. So that's the picture in our mind. Jesus has come to town. These ten lepers. They've been banished basically from society. They're off by themselves somewhere. But they're close enough they can see Jesus coming and they yell, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Take a look at verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, in human reasoning and logic, Jesus should have just caught them front and center and healed them all in front of everybody and made a big spectacle. Nope. Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. Why did he say that? Because there in Leviticus 13 and 14, that was the rules according to the law of Moses. When you had leprosy, the priest was the one that would determine whether you were clean or unclean. You had to go present yourself to the priest. They'd take a look at it kind of like a doctor, I guess. They would know how bad it was and say, 
You need to actually be away from your family and everything. There was things about if it had started to get into the garments you were wearing, you had to burn the garments, get rid of all that stuff. So this is what Jesus is telling them. They've cried out for mercy. Have mercy on us, Master. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. So they're just doing what He said. But before they got to the priest, on the way, on the road, wherever they were walking, on the path, whatever, they all of a sudden looked down and realized they're clean. Could you imagine that? Hallelujah. Miraculously, as they were on the way to do this, all ten of them were healed. Now let's take a look at the rest of our passage. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is one of the, the, the most uncharacteristic statements that you might ever hear Jesus speak. Because he didn't do anything for self-glory and all that, did he? Most of the time he said, I, he even made this statement one time, he said, I'm not good, the God, Father in heaven is good. Give glory to him. But here we see that the ten lepers, they all asked for mercy. They all started down the path or down the road to the priest to go show and do all that they had to do there. They realize that they're healed and only one of them returns to give thanks to God and to show gratitude toward Jesus. And Jesus makes the statement, where's the other nine? Here we learn a great lesson. Whether we've walked with the Lord a long time or whether we've just started. God wants us to have a grateful heart for all that He's done for us. Amen. When the children of Israel were still traveling in the wilderness, they often became ungrateful. You go back and you read that story, and it was one time after another. They'd murmur and they'd complain. They'd get upset and, uh, 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 and they'd murmur against Moses. Murmur against God. You've just left us out here to die. We, at least in Egypt we had homes and food. But over and over and over again, that kept happening. But one time specifically, we talked about a couple weeks ago, was in Numbers 21, when they became ungrateful for the manna from heaven and declared it to be useless bread. Remember? God was supplying them with manna every single day that they did not have to plant, they did not have to tend to it, it just showed up. And they got mad and said, this is worthless bread. We're going to starve. We don't have any food. You ever had that attitude? And I want to show you something about our carnality, about our flesh, even as born-again Christians. Have you, and I used this example the other day. Maybe some of you weren't here. Have you ever been to the cupboard or to the fridge and there'll be all kinds of stuff you could fix? But it's not what you want at the time. And what do you always say? There's nothing in this house to eat. Have you ever done it? I've done it. I think at our house some of that was done last week, I believe. We everybody was having to, it was we wanted quick stuff because we didn't have to take the time to cook and make the mess. We just wanted quick stuff. But all the quick stuff done been used up. There's nothing to eat. Well, and you open the cupboard, there's enough there to live on for six months. 
Down in the base, we've got deer meat and stuff. But there's all kinds of stuff. But see, this shows us a human trait. That we'll be very quick to become ungrateful and think because of the present situation, oh, nothing's going good. You ever done that? I do it all the time. I had to, I had to wrestle with that. So they called it useless bread. They complained about Moses and the Lord and said we're going to die because there's no food. And guess what the Lord did? The Lord said, oh, well, bless y'all's little hearts. I'll do something different. He did something different. But he sent fiery serpents among them because he'd gotten tired of it. So this tells me something about having an ungrateful heart. Not only is it disrespectful, it's also sinful. God doesn't punish people just for being disrespectful. He punishes people for being sinful. And he told Moses, make the bronze serpent, lift it up on a pole. Everybody that looks at it will be saved, right? And we, we likened that there on Easter to the, the way Jesus was lifted up on the cross. But we see there, we learn something. This is why Jesus said, we're not ten lepers cleansed. Where's the other nine to come back and give thanks for what I did for them? Amen. Bible gives us examples. That's all the negative. Now I'm going to give you some positive. The Israelites are the example of who not to follow and who not to mimic. Amen. But I'm going to give you somebody that you can mimic that had a grateful heart. There's plenty in the Bible examples, but one that sticks out to me and is one of my favorite human beings, I believe, to have ever lived, and that's the prophet Daniel. I'm just intrigued when I read that book. Every time I read it, it's just I see something about the man's character. I'm like, man, that guy, he just he was in love with the Lord. And I'm not trying to worship the man. I'm just saying he's one of my heroes. Amen. To the naked eye, Daniel should have been one of the most ungrateful people to have ever lived. He was a righteous guy. He always did what he was supposed to do. He didn't lie. He didn't cheat. He didn't steal. But at an early age, they captured Judah and they whisked him away. Now he's in Babylon having to serve under pagan kings. Think about that. He had a right to say, nothing in life is good. God has abandoned us. We're all going to die. So he was taken from his homeland at an early age and forced to serve in ungodly administrations. Think about this. The prophet Daniel served as a high advisor to three different major empires. Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, and then when Cyrus came along, right into the beginning of his as well. But they all had something in common. They were very ungodly. Didn't believe in the Lord. Did all kinds of un, unnatural, wicked things. But here he was serving in those administrations. And to top it all off, it was one of those specific kings completely lost his mind in arrogance, in a prideful moment. You might be thinking Nebuchadnezzar because he did the same thing. But there was one named King Darius. And he was the king of the Medes, right? Right when Babylon was taken over, the Medes and the Persians came in and he was the one set up to, to rule over that area. And he made one of the most strange, ungodly things, decrees and laws that had ever been passed, and ever been made. He was listening to some people that wanted to get Daniel 
than like Daniel because Daniel was righteous. And here's what happened. They said, King, you're so great and wonderful and you're so awesome. Why don't you make a rule, let's pass a law, that if anybody petitions any man or any God except you for 30 days, that they'll be put to death. We want to make it all about you, King Darius. And King Darius said, hey, I like the sound of that. Because how many knows people in authority like their authority? And they like to be recognized, right? So he makes this decree, and under the laws of the Medes and the Persians, once they made a law, it could not be changed. That was it from now on forever. Could not be amended, couldn't be changed, couldn't be took back. What's that the kids used to say? No takesies, backsies, or whatever it was. They couldn't do it. And this is what led to the story of what we remember Daniel the most about is that Daniel and the lion's den. They found him praying to his Lord and they used this new law against him and Darius, it says, spent the whole night trying to figure out a way, to a, a loophole, so that Daniel didn't have to be put in that lion's den. But I'm going to draw attention to this right here. Daniel didn't let an ungodly king making ungodly decisions destroy his joy or his grateful heart. Now you think about when he got thrown in that lion's den, he had more right than anybody, probably than any of us in this room, to have said, Lord, this is not right. But I want you to see what happened. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, if you want to make a note of this and read it later, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And he went and got on Facebook and he blasted everybody. Or he went on Fox News and he blasted everybody about how wrong it was. No. He went and got a bullhorn and he went and stood on the street somewhere and said how wrong things were and how much he'd been mistreated. Nope. This is what it says. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem... He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave God thanks and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Make all the ungodly rules you want to make. Society can go however far wrong it wants to go, but don't let it rob your joy and your grateful heart. Because this was Daniel's custom. And he said, I don't care what rule they make. Don't care how much they're after me and want to use this to take me down. He was a smart guy. He knew what they were doing. And he prayed and gave thanks to his God. Thanks for what? To the naked eye. All his life had been serving in bondage. And now here he's probably going to be put to death because he couldn't quit praying to his Lord and giving him thanks. He couldn't. I couldn't he couldn't stop. But yet he kneels down and gives thanks because he had a grateful heart. Because instead of looking at all that had been robbed from him and all that he didn't have, guess what he was looking at? All that he did have. And you know all that he had in that lion's den was the promise of the Psalms. Lord be with me. In the time of my trouble. There was nobody else. Nobody was going to come and help him, were they? The Bible says the 
God sent his angel here and shut the lion's mouth. Grateful hearts. When we talk about grateful hearts, you can't get any more grateful than the prophet Daniel. Amen. Daniel could have been cynical and bitter, yet he chose to keep a grateful heart before the Lord. And what a great lesson for you and I to learn. I'm gonna, I said all the negativity was gone. I'm going to give you a little bit more negative. I forgot I had another section here. You know, we've got a lot of reasons to be negative in our country, even as Christians. We do. Just go, just go to the workplace or anywhere people gather, and the conversation will start to twist toward how bad things are. You ever notice that? And it's real easy to start talking about those things instead of talking about how good the Lord's been to us. I'll give you a few, a few things here. In America, there's a lot of evil things going on. We've become a spoiled nation. I thought about that a lot this week. We're a spoiled nation. The things that are going on in this country don't happen in a nation that's not spoiled. If you don't believe me, let me ask you a few questions. Where else do people actually debate whether people can be a male, change from being a male to a female? How has it become normal to live together instead of being married? Commonplace. When did it become normal for people to engage in premarital relations and not even be ashamed about them? That's going on. Why is it normal to see homosexuality celebrated nearly everywhere you turn? And how is it possible that celebrities and sports stars are living in luxury and signing record-breaking contracts while everyday normal people are suffering with just the difference in price of gas. That's a spoiled nation. Here's another one. What kind of society allows people to make a living as commentators of sporting events? There are people making millions and millions of dollars a year to comment on who they think might win a ball game. And then when they're wrong, they go back and they commentate again about, well, this is why it didn't go the way I wanted to. We're a spoiled nation and a nation that's become increasingly having ungrateful hearts. A spoiled society is what does that and that's what our society's become. A spoiled society has ungrateful hearts and we see that everywhere we look. So we have plenty of reasons not to be grateful. However, we must, and the Lord showed me this morning when I made this note, we must at all costs, and He had me underline it, at all costs, Don't allow ourselves to become ungrateful. Even though it's bad. Well, Rick, they're talking about gas going back up again this summer. They're talking about raising the interest rate again. All these things are bad. I'm not saying that we're pretending they don't happen and they're not there. But don't allow these things to let us become ungrateful. Amen. It's very easy to look around and see all the wrong being done and become cynical. It's also very easy to look around and see all the things we don't have and become ungrateful for the things that we do have. Just like I said before, we've come full circle now. Instead of going to the cupboard and seeing the things that are there, we just pick out the things that aren't. It's very easy to do. So three things quickly before we close. I want you to remember these things today. First and foremost, we should always be grateful for our salvation through Jesus Christ. 
That's where it starts and that's its foundation and that's where it hinges. If nothing else in life goes good, at least we're born again. And we're going to go to a place one day that has an unclouded day for eternity. We should never let ungodly kings or ungodly things rob our joy and gratefulness toward Jesus. I want to repeat that. We should never let ungodly kings or ungodly things rob our joy and gratefulness toward Jesus. But Rick, this Joe Biden, he's just terrible. Yes, he is terrible. He's evil. He's as bad as they come. But I still got the joy of the Lord. Jesus is with me every day. He saved me. And He hadn't turned loose of me yet. Amen? I can be thankful for that if I can be thankful for nothing else. Amen. Secondly, we needed to be rooted and grounded in this Scripture. Not to try to say any Scripture is more important than the other. It's all great. But in Psalm 31, 14 and 15, it's something we need to, to, to be rooted and grounded in. It needs to be part of our theology. It says there in Psalm 31, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. And if He's our God... He also says there, My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. My times are in your hands. You are no accident. You were born, and that wasn't an accident, but not only that, you were born into the exact time frame that God wanted you to be born. So if my times or in God's hands. The good and the bad, the positive and the negative, are all part of my life that He has laid out for me. Amen? We have to understand that our times are in God's hand. He allowed us to live in the time that we're here. He's given us the life that we're now living. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Let us always be thankful for what He's given to us at this moment in time and not become ungrateful over the things we don't have. I find myself in my mind not enjoying the blessings I have at this moment, but looking to the future and saying, well, I'd like to get this eventually and I'd like to do this and this is where I'd like to go. I had one of those kind of weeks. I was working on stuff. And as a little boy, I liked working on stuff and I always wanted to be a mechanic. That's what I'd always say at school. I I, want to be a mechanic. I want to work on stuff. This week, I was like, I wish I'd never said that because all I do is work on stuff. Everything I got, Lord, is old and wore out. And how many knows that when you're working on old, rusty stuff, boy, it can get aggravating, especially if you can't afford to just replace the stuff that needs replaced. But I was reminded of this verse. And I got to thinking. 25 years ago when I left home, you know what I had? I had a car. A used car that I was still paying for. And a house that my grandmother told me that she could, I could make payments to, to her to live in. To start my life. And I started to look around. And I said, here I am just like the Israelites. Here I am. Saying, Lord, 
all I've got's old and wore out, and I'm tired of working on this old stuff. And it made me realize I have a whole lot more now than I've ever had in my life. I got to thinking about these four kids over here that the Lord's brought into my life. Two by birth and two by association. But they're like my own kids now. My wife, all of you who come here to hear God's Word. And I start to realize, Lord, I was wrong to think that in my mind. I was wrong to be upset. All I've got's old and wore out. No, it's not. He's blessed me. And I want to remain thankful for the blessings He's given me. Would I like to have a couple of new trucks? I'd just settle for one. Right? I'd settle for one. I've had that thought. I want something brand new for once in my life other than an appliance. Every vehicle I've ever had been used by somebody else and they got rid of it and I took it over and next thing you know, you're working on that one too. Right? But I started thinking my times are in His hands. I asked the Lord this week, I said, Lord, why can't I tell people if I don't have time to do things? Why can't I say no to some people? You know what he told me? Because I put that in your heart to be a servant. My times are in his hands. So the struggle, the labor, the work, the everything, the aggravations that you face, the Lord knows them, but he's built you to be able to handle them. Amen. As long as you remain thankful in your heart. And have a grateful heart. So now I'm starting to think, well, Lord, instead of saying I got this old vehicle or old whatever it needs worked on, I'm thankful that I have it to work on. Because a few years ago, I didn't have it. And I was just sitting around twiddling my thumbs. Right? We must understand that our times are in God's hand. And thirdly and lastly, we must drown out all the negativity that we see in our life. How come is it that we're drawn to the negative? That the negative is what promotes us to talk. Have you ever noticed that? It's always the negativity. You turn the news on and you don't expect them to tell you anything good. But yet you turn it on anyway. Because for some reason ingrained in our mortality is we want to hear what bad happened today and where it happened. No wonder the Lord says your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. Right? So we've got to drown out all the negativity we see in life. Now, I don't mean that we don't have real problems. Daniel had real problems. He was in a problem. He's getting ready to be put in the lion's den. And he knew that if he did this, that he was going to get put in the lion's den. But you know what he did anyway? Lord, I thank you. Thank you for you. Because that's all he had at that moment. He had no friends, trusted advisors, anybody that was going to come help him get out of it. The king made the decree and the only one left was the Lord. If the Lord didn't help him, he wasn't going to get any help. So he just knelt down and said, Lord, I give you thanks. Hallelujah. So that doesn't mean that our we don't have real problems and that our society and our nation in general are in trouble with God. Listen. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. You all know my thoughts and my opinion on it. Our nation's in trouble with the Lord. And however long he decides to, to stay that punishment, I don't know. I believe Joe Biden is a punishment on our nation. I don't think he's the reason it's causing all this. I think he's the result of all of our ungodliness for the years. 
It's like a good mirror for us to look in. Look, this guy's a, a buffoon. He don't know what he's saying. Don't know what he's doing. But that's Americans in general. You know, we've been fighting this thing with the transgender issue and a lot of people have been on the sidelines. Christians were the only ones really making an issue about it. But lo and behold, they put one on a Bud Light can and now all the rednecks has come out of the woodwork, right? Now they're all been out of shape about transgender. You should have been upset about it in the first place. You should have been putting that stuff aside anyway and not having it be part of your life. You see, we're in trouble as a nation. And I'm not saying that we pretend like we're not because we are. But even though we're in trouble, we can have grateful hearts like Daniel. Amen. It means that in spite of all these things and all of this, that we're still thankful with hearts of gratitude for all that the Lord has done for us. And the last verse I'm going to read to you, if you want to make a note of this one, this is a really good one. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 A lot of people in life, in the church, I've seen it through my life and one of the biggest questions I get asked as a minister, what do you think the will of God for me is? I wondered it a lot when I was a kid. Lord, what is your will? My time's in your hands. So what is my purpose? What is my will? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says this, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See, when we ask the thing, Lord, what do you want me to do? We're always thinking, well, that means a missionary, a minister, a, a singer, or whatever. All those gifts are fine. But this is universal for every single Christian. Give thanks is the will of God in your life. Give thanks for the things He has delivered into your hand. And instead of going and looking at what's not in your life, look at what is and proceed from there. Amen? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Sounded like Daniel already knew that, didn't he? <clears throat> he already knew that. He said, but I don't care what law they make. Don't want, care what the consequences are. It's been my custom for years that I pray and give thanks, so I'm going to pray and give thanks. And just because the liberals are continuing to ruin our country, we can still give thanks. Hallelujah. For each other, for the Lord, for the things we have in life. And in closing, as we live our lives in the midst of an ungodly and ungrateful society, may we decide to remain grateful in our hearts for all that the Lord's given to us. It's a decision. This is not something God just zaps you with to have a grateful heart. You have to choose to have a grateful heart in the midst of an ungodly society. Let us be grateful and give thanks continually for our salvation through Jesus our Lord. That's first and foremost. It is a song, it is well with my soul. Things happen. Things become negative. We have it all through our life. There's good days and there's bad days. We give thanks for it all. Lord, I'm in your hand. I belong to you. You knew this right here was going to happen. I give you thanks. And now, Lord, I need your help to, to remedy the issue. Amen? Amen.
And may our grateful hearts help us drown out all the noise and remain thankful to God our Savior. And may we be like the Samaritan who takes the time to give God glory for all that He's done. Let us not be like the other nine that we just take, 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 and we never return thanks. So I ask you today, this morning, you probably already had things pop in your head, as I'm going to say a closing prayer this morning. As we go forward, continue to think about this later today. And give God thanks for all the things in your life. When you go home, give Him thanks that you have a home. When you get home, give Him thanks that you've got furniture in your home. And that there's food there to eat. And that there's electricity to help you live a better life. And all. See, there's so much to be thankful for, but we never we take those things for granted and we just start looking around. Well, look, the bill's too high. Well, I'd rather have it and be high than not have it at all. Sure, I would like for it to be lower. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be uh, telling fibs. I, I wished everything was cheaper, but I'd still better than not having it at all. So I'm going to give God thanks. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we've delivered the word which you've given to us and to this, your people. Lord, we're humbled by your word today. Help us, Lord, to be like the Samaritan who chooses to give thanks and have a grateful heart. Help us not become like the nine who were just nonchalantly went on about their way and never gave thanks or never glorified God. Help us be like the prophet Daniel, Lord, one of our heroes in the faith. Help us be more like him to be thankful in all things. Help us to do like the book of Thessalonians teaches us, that to give thanks in all things, knowing that that is the will of God in our lives. Lord, you've delivered everything you've given to us in our life. You've delivered it. You've been there and instrumental in it. So help us, Lord, to be thankful for you, for Jesus, for salvation, and for the people you've put in our lives. Lord, the material things are pretty much irrelevant, but we thank you for them as well. But help us to start to focus more on Jesus and be thankful for him, on the people you've given us in our lives, and be thankful for them. And Lord, we just ask as we go forward today that this word will be ingrained in us to have grateful hearts, giving thanks unto the Lord, to him for all things he's given us. We ask all this today in Jesus' name. I pray you go with each and every one. Keep them safe to the next appointed time we meet. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen.